Thank you, Pastor Myers, for the invitation to come. Thank you for this opportunity to come and to share our burden for Haiti, for what the Lord is doing around the world. My wife and I have been privileged to serve uh, the last three years in Spain, in Barcelona, and working with Brother and Sister Herod. And uh, what a great time that was. And also working up into a little nation called Andorra. Has anybody heard of Andorra before? Yeah, a few. Awesome. Great. Many prayers have been prayed over that little nation of Andorra. Most people don't even know it exists. Most people uh, have never heard of it. Uh, Andorra is a micro-nation that's in between Spain and France. The whole country is about 80,000 people, just a few cities up in the mountains. And uh, many prayers prayed over that area until finally a young couple came and started the very first apostolic work in, Haiti, or in Andorra. And we're very excited about that. My wife and I were privileged to serve there as their replacements while they were here in the States. And in that year and a half time, God filled 11 people with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In a nation that has one apostolic church. Amen. Five were baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. I'm excited that it, for what that means for me is that a place that nobody's even heard of, God didn't overlook it. Place you've never even heard of, people you've never, you'll never meet. Uh, you might not even know what language they speak or what they look like, but God didn't overlook Andorra. And that tells me it doesn't matter who you are, or where you're from, how much money you got in the bank, whether you got a big name or a small name, whether you have a nice house or no house. Amen. God loves you and He's interested in you. And God is reaching for this world in this season. Amen. And we are seeing people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost like never before. Amen. Man, we're thankful for what the Lord is doing there in Andorra. Now, uh, answering the call, we, be, we feel that God is leading us to Haiti at this time. Uh, Haiti is, in, uh, is a bit of turmoil right now. I know uh, how many's heard of Haiti before. Uh, everybody's heard of Haiti. If you've been, uh, many of you have been there. Uh, I, I don't. I, I told your pastor earlier. I don't like to talk about Haiti too much in churches like these because I feel like I know less than you do uh, about Haiti, and I feel like you could tell me some things. And if you want to, uh, you could come to the table afterwards and share your stories. I would love to hear uh, some of those stories. But we are believing God uh, for a great revival for the nation of Haiti. Amen. I believe that if God's interested in a little place like Andorra, then God hasn't forgotten about Haiti. Amen. Amen. We, uh, even though my wife is not traveling with me, uh, I do carry her around on a flash drive, uh, and we put her up on a video so that you guys can see her and meet her. So if you have that video, go ahead and play that. We take all that experience and that hope and the same saving message of Jesus Christ to Haiti. Hello, we are Joshua and Melina Tingley, and we are the new appointed missionaries to the nation of Haiti. We're so excited about the new work the Lord has called us to. We have served a mission since 2019 in the nation of Spain and also Andorra. We served under the incredible missionaries Nathan and Tanya Herod, and we're so thankful for the experiences and all that we learned there. We take all that experience and that hope and the same saving message of Jesus Christ to Haiti. One of the biggest challenges that's really hard for us as Americans to understand is the level of poverty that Haitians live in, the level of uh, chaos that is just a normal part of their day. Uh, infrastructure is, is non-existent. Um, 
electricity. They don't, they, they're supposed to receive electricity for an hour a day. That rarely happens. Um, there's no trash pickup. There's no, there's no running water. All of these things that we as Americans take for granted that we just assume the rest of the world has as well. The first time that I visited Haiti, uh, it was very overwhelming. I couldn't even speak. I didn't know places like that existed in the world. I, I literally, I turned to my wife and I said, I didn't know this existed, especially so close to the United States. It's not, it's really not that far. Haiti is a nation with a lot of unique challenges. Haiti has 11 million people with a 60% literacy rate. This means reading the Bible and talking to them about Jesus can be difficult because they are unable to read their Bibles. The poverty level is enormous. As well, there are gangs all over the nation that make it difficult for transportation and getting around. The work in Haiti is broken up into three categories. We have, of course, the national work where we have 500 plus churches in the nation. We also have the Bible School, which houses over 120 students every year. And of course, the humanitarian work, which involves our children's homes and involves disaster relief. These three areas make up a big portion of what is needed and the work that is done in the nation of Haiti. The hunger for God is immense and palpable in the nation of Haiti. I want to tell you a short story. We were there doing a small crusade, and as we, my husband gave the altar call and asked, does anyone want the Holy Ghost or want to be filled with the gospel? We expected people to come forward who had never heard this before, and instead the altars quickly flooded with everybody in the room. The first person to the altar was the district secretary's wife, not because she'd never been filled with the Holy Ghost before, but because in a nation like Haiti, all you have is God, and she was so hungry for another touch. That is what's so special and unique about Haiti, is it doesn't matter how many times you've received the Spirit before or how many times you've felt God before. You are so hungry for another touch. Every opportunity to touch God is just like your first. We want to say thank you so much. You are going with us to Haiti to change a nation, to change a life uh, when you give. And we say thank you for going with us. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing in the nation of Haiti. Thank you so much for your prayers. Your prayers are building our covering over our family and over the work in Haiti, over all of the incredible people there and the powerful work that God has in store for that nation. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. God bless. Thank you. Amen. As you can see, there's a lot of unique challenges uh, in Haiti that we uh, don't deal with in a lot of other places. One, one of the scenes that you saw there was from our Bible school graduation that happened last year. Uh, and I don't know if you know this already, so I'm just going to act like you don't know. Uh, but 33 students graduated last year from our three-year Bible school program. Amen. I'm so excited about that. Amen. It's one of the most exciting things we have going on because these 33 students, what they have to go through just to be at Bible school is astounding. They are running, riding on public transportation, on tap taps. Uh, if you know what those are, if you don't, they're small pickup trucks. You sit in the back of them, uh, in the bed, on the seats along the edges. And then when you get to where you're going, you just tap the side twice and they pull over and let you off. It's called a tap tap. Uh, they're traveling through uh, one of his what is considered one of the most dangerous cities in the world uh, and, and traveling some one, two, three, four hours just to be at Bible school uh, at 8.30 in the morning on Saturday.
and they do that for uh, three years to graduate. And the fact that they are that committed to the Word of God has me excited about the future of Haiti. And we have students that will go through anything and go to any length just to have more of Him, just to study His Word. What an impact they're going to make as they go back into their cities, into their churches, into their regions. This is our next generation of pastors and leaders, and I believe even leaders in the nation of Haiti. And I pray that we have leadership on every level in the in the. In in Haiti that are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are excited about these 33 students. In fact, two of them a few years ago graduated and they came to Brother Sister Brian. They were the ones traveling for four hours to get to Bible school. Sometimes they were leaving on Friday night to make sure that they made it to, on school on time on Saturday morning. Uh, and y'all, uh, I can tell you pastor's title for next week is going to be no more excuses for being late to church. Four hours, leaving on Friday night to make sure they were on time at Bible school. So they went home, uh, or after they graduated, they come to Brother and Sister Brian. They said, listen, we've got others in our region. They want to come to Bible school. They want to be a part of this. They can't make the journey for whatever reason, responsibilities, to travel time. Can we go home to our region and start a satellite campus? Uh, and, of course, the answer was yes. And last year we had three students graduate from their Bible school as well, which took us to 36 students. Amen. And we have a vision to see Bible schools planted all over the nation of Haiti. Amen. If you can't come to us, we got to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to you at any cost. We got to, we have to spread this gospel. Amen. To the world. Amen. Amen. Unfortunately, most, uh, most nations have started to see Haiti as a bit of a lost cause. Uh, they're not really sending resources and help and aid like they've, they have in the past. And, and Haiti has become known as kind of the place that, that can't be fixed. It's the place uh, that billions of dollars have been sent and mountains of resources and, and, and nothing seems to change in Haiti. But, uh, and so, so the nations of the world have kind of decided, well, Haiti's just not fixable. It's, uh, we've got to give up on Haiti because there's nothing that we can do. If our billions of dollars couldn't fix it, then it, it just can't be fixed. And if our ideas and our our resources couldn't do it, then it just can't be done. And so they have begun to give up on Haiti. But I am convinced this evening that there is yet one kingdom that hasn't given up on Haiti. Amen. And it's not a kingdom of this world, but it is a heavenly kingdom. And upon its throne sits the King of Kings uh, and the Lord of Lords and friends. Uh, he is in no shortage of resources. Uh, he is in no shortage uh, of funds. Uh, but our God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, and the Bible declares he shall supply all of your need uh, according to his riches and glory. Friends, I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, can do what the nations uh, of this this world have failed to do. I believe it can go into every corner of every city, of every place, of every nation, in any culture. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is greater than a billion dollars. Oh, you can call me crazy if you want to. I just believe being a part of the kingdom of God is the greatest thing that you have on this green earth. Being a part of this kingdom is the best thing that you could do. The name of Jesus is the most powerful name you know, friends. You ought to stop invoking anybody else's name over any problem, friends. You don't need anybody else's name but Jesus. I don't need the president's name. I just need Jesus. I don't need a politician's name, a group name. I need the name of Jesus. And that's all, friends. It will do what this world cannot do.
Amen. As many of you know, this season, Haiti has become so dangerous, we can't even go. If I were done raising my funds today, I could not get into Haiti. In fact, we lost one of our properties. If you've been to Haiti uh, in any of the trips, you've probably been on the property. And just a few weeks ago, about 15 to 20 armed gang members came over the walls and are currently occupying where we would be living. Haiti needs a miracle. But we serve a miracle-working God. Amen. I believe that. Before you leave, I would ask, stop by our table out back. I have some printed materials, our bookmarks and fridge magnets and business cards. On there is a QR code. The video that you just watched is on there. Our newsletter is on there. But there's also one that says partner in prayer. That's a prayer list. When you think of Haiti, scan that. Go to our prayer list. We try to keep it updated so that you can be up to date with the current uh, situation and be praying with us. Connect with us in prayer. We need partners in prayer. I believe in the prayers of the church. I believe we can make an impact. Even if you never step foot on Haiti, I believe you can make an impact there if you will pray with us that God would do a miracle. Amen? And I really need y'all's help with that to, to, to take all of the business cards and all of those printed materials because uh, if you notice on there, there is a picture of my family. And in that picture, there are only four people but we are now a family of five. And before the baby becomes aware he is not on that material, I need to get rid of it. And I need to order new stuff with the baby's picture before he can tell he's not on that. We don't want him offended. So y'all take as much of that as you want. Uh, you would be surprised. It's su surprising how much comes in a box of a thousand. It's like a thousand in there, y'all. And I just can't get rid of it. I'm giving it away like candy. So if you would help, take, take some of that material with you. Uh, put it where you can see it, and it will remind you to pray for Haiti. Amen. If you would stand, let's go to the word of the Lord. Numbers chapter number 13. Again, want to give honor to your pastor. Thank you for this invitation. want to give honor to the worship team, the young people tonight. Thank you for leading us into worship. Amen. Thank you for leading us into the presence of God. Numbers chapter number 13, starting with verse number 1. And for the media team, you can put the whole chapter up there, but I'm going to skip around a bunch, but if that makes it easier for you, Numbers chapter 13, starting at verse number 1. If you have it in your Bibles, would you say amen? amen. If you're still looking, you can say, wait on me. All right, I heard somebody say wait. I didn't say we would wait, but you could say. <laughs> Numbers 13, verse 1. Amen. All right, that's all the time we got. Numbers 13, 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search uh, the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, uh, from, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Now, the next few verses lists all of these names, okay? It lists people like Shamua, Shaphat, Caleb, Egal, Oshea, Palti, and on and on and on. It lists the men. If we skip down to verse number 16... Verse 16 says, these are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshea, the son of Nun, Jehoshua, and sent uh, them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain. Verse number 26. 
They've gone and now they've returned. And they went and came to Moses uh, and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Verse 30 says, this is where Caleb jumps in. He's getting involved now. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the people that, the men that were with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. The Bible says they brought up an evil report of the land that they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone uh, to search it is the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down and pray with me one more time? Lord, we love you. We thank you for the Holy Ghost that we feel in this house today. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust in your word. We can trust in your presence, Lord. Amen. We believe, God, in this building today, we pray that you would loose the gift of faith right now, God. God, that we would believe your word, God, with absolute faith, Lord, that we would believe and receive what it is you have for us today, God, that we are going to walk out of these doors victorious. We're going to walk out today, God, with some giants that have come down in our life. Lord, we, we're lifting up our voice for the nation of Haiti, God, for some giants uh, that have been standing tall. Lord, we pray that some giants are going to fall in your presence today in the name of Jesus. Jesus, would you put your hands together and lift your voice with a shout of praise? Come on, if you're victorious or you need the victory, you ought to lift up your voice for a moment and shout unto God. Hallelujah! Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. If you're a parent in the house, you'll understand best what I'm about to say. There are times for... We, we prepare things for our children. There are times that perhaps a meal, we prepare a meal for our child. It is with one, some sense of pride and, and duty that we place the food before our children and, and we look at it and we, we think we have, we have provided something for our children, some nourishment. If you're anything like me and you're the dad in the family, you try to find the things that have the least amount of ingredients. Did you know that you can get mac and cheese that you just put water in and put it in the microwave now? I mean, you don't even have to learn, know how to boil water. Three minutes, you're done. Cereal has two ingredients, cereal and milk. The kids can get the bowl and the, and the spoon practically by themselves. Or perhaps you're the, the chef in the family and you're creating these fantastic meals for your kids or, or perhaps, uh, perhaps you have created the, the ultimate Subway sandwich that will rival any Jimmy John's. It would put, uh, Jersey Mike's out of business because of the sandwich that you can create at home. You have all of the veggies that's perfectly sliced and, I mean, the, the cucumbers are so thin you could practically see through them and the tomatoes and the lettuce. You've got all the things together and you've created this masterpiece of a sandwich and you, you place it before your children, and what do they do? They take one look at it, and they pick out everything that's wrong with it. 
Dad, why did you put uh, cucumbers on my sandwich? You know I don't like cucumbers. Why would you put mayo? You've got all of these different layers. They don't even understand. Their palate is not even refined enough to understand the, the, uh, the amount of time and effort that has been put into this sandwich and, and, and the great uh, uh, joy they would get and, and the refrain you had to, to show just not to eat the sandwich and let the kids go hungry. It's that good. And yet they pick out every little detail that they don't like about it. I don't like mustard on my sandwich, Dad. Why did you have to put mustard on there? I don't like this. I don't like that. If you, like me, have ever experienced this, I think we have a special insight to how God was feeling in this moment. The Bible says that God prepared the land for His children. He describes the land time and time again as the land that flows with milk and honey. Scripture after Scripture and reference after reference as you sense God's enthusiasm as He's telling them about this place that He has for them that they are going to love and it's going to be great and it's going to be awesome all for them to arrive on the scene and get upset with God for what they found in the land. So I want to preach to you on this subject this evening. There are giants in my milk. I don't like giants in my milk. I do find it somewhat interesting that God never told them about the giants. He tells them about the land. He tells them it's the place that flows with milk and honey. He tells them about the people that are there. He tells them all these different details, but he fails to mention the giants. Tribe after tribe and, and detail after detail and they, there was going to be buildings that they weren't going to have to build. They were going to get to live in and, 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 and crops that they weren't going to have to, to plant, but they were going to get to reap the benefits of, but nothing about the giants. You can sense God's enthusiasm as he describes this place that he has prepared for his uh, beloved people. And you know what? When they arrived, we read in verse 27, when they arrived on the scene, they said, surely it is the land that floweth with milk and honey. Almost as if they are surprised when they showed up and found it to be everything God said that it would be. How many times are we surprised when we show up and God just simply does what he said he would do? Let me encourage somebody here today. God, our God is a God who keeps His Word. It's as simple as that. If He makes promises, He intends on keeping them. He's not going to tell you it's the land that floweth with milk and honey. Don't be surprised when you show up and God has done exactly what He said He would do. Let me remind somebody in the house today. God said that all the promises of Him are in Him, yea, and in Him, amen. Friends, God is not a man that He should lie, but He is Almighty God, the promise keeper. And friends, if he promised it, then you ought to believe it. If he prophesied it, then it's already settled. It's already done. Can I tell somebody in the building today, when God speaks, you better expect God will do exactly what he said he would do. 
Don't be surprised on Sunday when you show up and there's a miracle waiting on you. Don't be surprised when you wake up on Monday morning and the check is in the mail and you have no idea where it came from. He said, I am your provider and I shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory. Friends, I'm not surprised by God's greatness. I'm not surprised by His goodness for He is a good God. He is a great God. When somebody testifies to you and tells you about the goodness of God, you should never look at them and say, wow, that's unbelievable. Friends, it's not unbelievable that our God would do exactly what He said He would do. In fact, it's very believable that when God says He's going to heal somebody, He heals them. When God said there's a miracle coming, friends, you hold on. There's a miracle on the way. He's a promise keeper. Surely it floweth with milk and honey. Surely he will be your provider. Surely he is the healer. Surely he is the deliverer. Surely he is the chain breaker. Surely he is the one who can make a way where there seems to be no way. Is there any testimonies in the house that you say, Oh, I know him to be that for me because he said it and I believed it and I saw it for myself. Why? Why well, fail to mention the giants? It would have been so easy to bring up in the conversation. It would have, I mean, he was talking about it all the time. He could have slipped it in there. Really, you know, this land that I'm preparing for you guys, you're going to love it. It's awesome. I've got all these great plans in store. Uh, it's got milk and honey and, and all these great cities. It, it does have giants now, by the way. Just, just want to give you a little heads up. But, but don't worry about the giants. You've, we've got all these other great things. So easy to slip in the conversation, and it seems to be the one thing that slips them up. They see the walls, they see the armies, they see all of the other stuff, they see the, the fruit of the land, the milk and honey, they see all of this stuff, but they're focused on the giants. Maybe if he'd have given them a heads up, he could have, he could have given them a little heads up, they could have prepared themselves to see giants. Maybe he could have just slipped it in there and said, hey, just be, beware, this is coming. So why not mention the giants? I've come to this conclusion tonight. There is only one reason not to mention the giants. It's the fact that the giants were not worth mentioning. In other words, the giants didn't jeopardize God's ability to give them the lands. The giants didn't come up in the conversation because God had already given them a promise. I need somebody to hear me tonight. I said the giants don't come up in the conversation because in comparison to God's strength, what is the strength of a giant? It is non-existent. The power of any giant compared to our God is non-existent. He ain't talking about the giants. He's only talking about the promise. The promise, let me tell somebody in the building today, God's promises are bigger than your giants. God's promise for revival is bigger than the giants of your city. 
God's promise for revival for the nation of Haiti is bigger than any gang. It's bigger than any corrupt politician. God's promises are greater, greater, greater. The giants don't come up in the conversation because God has already given you a promise. There are times we're going to face giants. There are times we're going to face sickness, affliction, trial, tribulation, roadblocks, obstacles, things that we cannot control. Uh, uh, global pandemics right in the middle of the, the revival that we had going on. But it's not time to get upset at God. When you encounter giants, that is not the moment to give up on the promise. That is not the time to sit down on God. It's not time. There's no reason to fear just because there's a giant. What it's time for is to remember the promise. you got to go back sometimes and say, oh, this giant seems too big. But let me take a few steps back and remember what God told me. And if God made me a promise right here, then there's no giant that can keep me from his promises. He promised, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Fear not. He's a promise keeper. By His stripes, we are healed. Fear not, saint of God. He's a promise keeper. God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory. Fear not. He intends on keeping His word. Even the gates of hell, he declares, shall not prevail against the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail. You are that church, baby. You are that church. We are that church right here, right here in Florida and right there in Haiti. We are that church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. He's a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. I don't know what hell you've been fighting, but I want to make, I want to make something abundantly clear. That promise is for you. I don't know what hell you've been going through or how much you may feel like the gates of hell have been pressing against your life, pressing against your family, pressing against your church. But I promise you, his word still says that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. Friends, we've already got a promise of victory. We've already got a promise. That territory out there behind the gates of hell, it's mine, friends. It's ours. It belongs to the church. All we got to do is take it. For God said, the very gates of hell shall not stop us shall not re- unfortunately on the edge of receiving their promise they were about to get their miracle about to get their breakthrough people chose fear over faith. Chose to have fear instead of faith. About to get, wait, wait, wait. I know I got a promise, but there's giants in my milk. I don't like giants in my milk. That promise God gave me, there's giants in it. You know what giants are good for? 
Giants are good for intimidation. We've already established, right? Giants don't threaten God's power. They threaten our power. When I become powerless, when I feel like I can't overcome, the enemy will use giants to keep you from God's promises. Y'all, if they would have fought that battle, I am fully convinced they would have been victorious. Well, how do you know? Because God said so. But there were giants, but God said so. But there were problems bigger than them, but God said so. But there were things they couldn't control, but God said so. There was a promise from God that was greater than the giants. And God and the enemy will use giants to intimidate us out of what God has in store for us. On the edge of your blessing, there's that thought in your mind. I can't dance like that. What are people going to think? They know what I'm going through. How am I going to be dancing up at the front like that? I can't run the aisles tonight. Everybody will know what I'm going through. And, and the enemy will use intimidation to keep you out of God's promises. But can I tell you, friends, that giant cannot keep you from his promises. Only you can. There were two. There were two out of the twelve that chose faith over fear. And I began to ask myself, what's so special about Caleb and Joshua? Maybe the odds are in the favor of two out of 12, possibly one, or both of them were just crazy. Perhaps they were the loco ones and nobody really wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted them on the trip because they knew no matter what happened, it could have been a volcano. And they'd have been like, yep, we can do it. We got it. I don't think that was the case. So I began to ask myself, what's so special about Joshua and Caleb that they could go on this scouting trip and see all of the same sites that everybody else saw? They saw the walls. They saw the army. They saw the fruit. They saw the land. And they saw the giants. But two men out of 12 said, we can do it. They had faith. So I began to study, okay, what's so special about Joshua, what makes him so different than everybody else? What I discovered about Joshua is that he is listed in the original 12 as Oshea. And those verses that list all of the scriptures, his name is Oshea. And the name Oshea means salvation. That's a pretty good name. You've got to remember, names are very important back then. The name O'Shea, you got to imagine this young man grew up with the name Salvation. I am sure that he was the humblest of young men to have a name like Salvation. He never showed up on the scene and said, Mom, don't worry about it. Salvation is here. <laughs> you see, the problem with a name like Salvation, though, is all of the responsibility of Salvation rests upon you, the man, O'Shea. And I think Moses noticed this. Because Moses pulled him aside and he said, Listen, O'Shea, before you go down there on this scouting trip, i got a little gift for you. We're not going to call you O'Shea anymore. We're going to call you Joshua. 
And Jehoshua means Jehovah is salvation. He said, before you get down there and you see how tall those giants are, before you get down there and you start measuring walls and counting men, before you, all of that ever happens, i got to give you a new perspective. And that new perspective is, get your eyes off of yourself and put them on Him. Friends, it's never going to be by your own power, your own ability, or your own talent. The responsibility of salvation does not rest on you. It rests on Jehovah. Friends, I can't do it, but he can. You gotta get your eyes off of yourself and put it on Jesus. I can't overcome it, Lord, but you can do it. It's too big for me, God, but there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Don't compare yourself to your giants. Compare your giants to your God. Don't compare your problems to yourself, to your bank account, to your ability, to your intellect. But you simply turn to God and say, Lord, the battle is not mine, but it belongs to you. You fight my battles for me. There's no giant that's too hard for the Lord. Joshua was one of the only ones in the next chapter. Everybody else said, we are as grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we are in there. They're comparing themselves to a giant. Joshua in the next chapter is the one that said, our God is well able. Let me encourage the church tonight. Our God is well able. Don't be listening to the evil reports. Don't be listening to what the majority says. Our God is well able. Let me tell you, I know you got some promises and everybody else has told you you might as well give up on them. But let me encourage you one more time. Our God is well able. I know they say there's no hope for Haiti and there's nothing that can be done. But let me remind you, our God is well able. Friends, it's not just because some young man decides to show up on the scene. It's because there's a God in heaven whose name is Jesus who holds all power in heaven and earth it's all about Jesus Jesus, 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 over every situation, Jesus, over every fear, Jesus, over every circumstance, Jesus, over every giant, Jesus There's nothing too hard for you, Lord. There's nothing impossible for you, God. For me, yes. But for you, all things are possible. Then uh. we find Caleb. Oh, Caleb. What's so special about you, Caleb? What makes you tick? What gets you up in the morning? Are you the one? Are you the one everybody's talking about behind their back? They're saying, why is Caleb here? Everybody know Caleb is loco. Everybody know Caleb, what Caleb's going to save right off the bat. He's crazy. He's riding his horse backwards. He saw nothing. What's so special about Caleb? It perplexed me. I studied. I searched. And the only thing I can find... What's different about Caleb than everybody else is where he came from. From every tribe shall you send a man. 
everyone a ruler among them. Caleb just happened to be the one from Judah. As you know, Judah means praise. So let me break it down for you like this. When you come from a place of praise, you automatically have a different perspective on giants. When you live in a place of praise, the things that mess everybody else up don't really mess you up like that. Or when you come from a place where you spend your time magnifying Jesus, what is this giant compared to him? Friends, when you spend all your energy worshiping God, you just don't have energy to worry about the enemy's threats anymore. You just don't have any energy left to worry about what the enemy is saying he's going to do. Friends, I don't have time. I don't have energy. I've been spending too much time with Jesus telling him how great he is. When you live in praise, praise don't happen just on Sunday. Praise, you want to know why the enemy don't come to the house of God and start talking in your ear and start, start fighting with you? He waits till you wake up on, on Monday morning. But when you live in a place of praise, you wake up Monday morning and you're right there in praise. You wake up Monday morning with hallelujah on your lips. You wake up Monday morning saying, thank you Jesus for another day. Thank you Lord for being a good God. Thank you Jesus. Friends. When you live in praise, giants aren't so big anymore. Caleb, how big were the giants? How you know what? I got to look at them, but I really didn't have time to measure. My my, my tape measure was put away and my hands were a little bit busy. Because as soon as I crested the hill, I went to clapping and my hands were too busy to worry about how big the giants were. Because I saw the promise. He said, that's mine. And I just said, thank you, Jesus. What were they talking about down there behind the walls? You know, I didn't really hear too much of what they were saying. My voice was lifted up and it drowned out all the lies of the enemy. And I was just saying, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's my promise. That's my God. Stand with me. When you live... In praise. When you live in praise, people look at you a little funny. They're wondering, while they're dealing with depression, because the world is falling apart, and you show up at work on Monday and you've got a smile on your face, they're saying, what's wrong with you? He said, there's nothing wrong with me. I just had a little time with Jesus this morning, and he told me it's going to be all right. He told me it's going to be all right. And then I went ahead and told him how good he was. Then I told him about how big and awesome he was. And then I gave a little thank you, Jesus, there. And all of a sudden, my problems on Monday aren't so big anymore. The things I'm going through, they don't seem, com- they don't seem to com- compare to my God. Oh, there ought to be some people tonight uh, that put in for a change of address. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in self-pityville. I'm going to put a change of address notice in and say, listen, if you want to find me, devil, you're going to have to find me over there in praise. If you want to send a letter with your bad news, uh, here's my new address. <laughs> 
If you want to get a hold of me, you know where to find me on a Sunday night. It's with my hands lifted. It's with my voice lifted. You'll have to drown out through my praise. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. You can do it, Lord. We believe. If there's anybody in the house tonight uh, who wants a new perspective, uh, you ought to step out where, of where you're at uh, and make your way down to the front. Uh, if you've been comparing yourself uh, for far too long to your enemies uh, and your problems, you ought to step out from where you are right now. It's time for a change of address. It's time for a change. You ought to serve notice to your enemies. If you come looking for me, you'll know where to find me. Find me in Judah. Find me in the place of praise. Find me in the place where my God is being lifted up. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on. Somebody serve a notice right now. Somebody serve a notice right now. Hey, enemy. Here I am. And I'm worshiping. You thought you had me, but my God is greater. You thought you had me, but I'm here again. And I'm still worshiping. I'm still praising. That's it. That's it. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, that's it. Lift up your voice all across this place. That's it. Somebody get bold with it. That's it. Somebody make sure that when you leave, everybody knows where you live. He's a God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. Come on, in this place right now, anything is possible. That's it. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. Alright, here's what we're going to do. If you need God to do a miracle, whatever it might be, physical, emotional, whatever it might be, you need God to do a miracle in your life right now. This is what we're going to do. We're going to lift up our hands. We're going to close our eyes and we're going to lift our head towards heaven. We're going to put ourselves in a position to receive from the Lord. Then we're going to open up our mouth and we're going to begin to declare it. And I want you to declare it louder than the enemy that has been lying to you for the past few months. Uh, that has been telling you there's no way out. Uh, which has been ta- causing you to fear. Causing you to be intimidated and miss out. You ought to have a boldness that rises up in you right now. That drowns out every lie of the enemy. And I want you to lift your voice uh, and begin to shout unto God uh, with a voice of triumph. Uh, you begin to declare his word right now. Lord, your word declares Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. I receive it in Jesus' name. I claim my victory right now in Jesus' name. I claim my healing, my deliverance. I claim my children in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now lift up your voice and shout unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! 
Receive it in Jesus' name. Receive it in Jesus' name. Healing go forth right now in the name of Jesus. Deliverance in the name of Jesus. Peace and strength right now in the name of Jesus. He's the God of the breakthrough. With anything is possible. It's possible. On my fear, I will turn into praise. Shake off despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance, I will dance out in faith. We'll crush disappointment and break every chain. Is there any residents of Judah in the house? Are there any residents of Judah in the house? We can tell you. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. 